Hey everyone, I'm your special guest for the evening for here for Horror Film Lovers Podcast. And I'm here with my good friend, Jonathan Moody. Hey, what's going on? What's your name? I'm Michael McGlynn. <laughs> <laughs> this is his first time doing it, so I'm very happy to have you as this was your pick. So I thought if you're a pick, you should probably host it. Yay, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I know you're a huge fan of this movie, and tell us what movie we're going to be reviewing. Oh, we are going to be reviewing the classic 1948 Abbott Costello meets Frankenstein. But funny enough, though, I mean, it's it's funny they call it meet Frankenstein because they meet a lot more than just Frankenstein in this. And it's more like the House of uh, House of Frankenstein or something, where it's like all everybody, you know, together. Um, but I guess it's it would be weirder to well, it could have been it could have been a- Abbott and Costello in the House of uh, Frankenstein or something, you know, if they had wanted to call it that. But I think meet Frankenstein, meet Dracula, you know, they meet the Wolfman, um, and they meet somebody else that we'll talk about at the end of the, uh, toward the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so like, how long have you been like? How long have you, you know, you've watched this for a while, you know, or whatever. Like, when was the first time you seen it? Oh, geez, um, I would probably say it was nine, somewhere between nineteen eighty six and eighty eight. I was somewhere around eight to ten years old. Um, it was my first experience into uh, the whole monsters realm. My, you know, my dad thought I would really enjoy the monsters things because I would watch a lot of the old Godzilla films with him and stuff. Um, um, and so he thought it would let's go with the easy uh, going route. And he introduced me to Abacus. meets Frankenstein first. And uh, I absolutely just fell in love with it. Then from there, went and watched all the other Universal Classic monsters uh, and all of their all their standalones and even all the crossovers they had in, uh, in between all of them. Um, it just became like my all-time favorite, and even to this day, it's my number one top-ranked uh, horror comedy. <laughs> do you own it? Oh, I do. Funny enough, uh, I have it uh, right here. Actually, it you is, have it right uh, there. Yeah. Which is that? Oh, wait. Oh, <laughs> that's in it. It's in a Frankenstein collection. Yes, it is. It's a part of the Blu-ray Frankenstein uh, uh, collection. It's got a bunch of them back here. Uh, it, it's got all the ones we named. Actually, it's got. Uh, Frankenstein, the Bride of Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein, the Ghost of Frankenstein, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, the House of Frankenstein, the House of Dracula, and then of course uh, the end it all because it kind of ties it in all at the end because it was the last one in the series. Abbott Costello meets Frankenstein. It's so funny, like like thinking about that. Like, it, there's so many uh, character, like just there's so much to to it that it feel feel felt like there was more that you could explore it, it was one of the first you know kind of cinematic universes kind of thing yeah. you know i love that I, I do too you know it was one of those things where like i never picked up on it as a kid but then when i got like the series and i started going back and binging them all i like i started putting all the dots together like in it was kind of like you know those like memes where the mind's like boom yeah. it's kind of, kind of like what happened to me i was like oh my god it's all connected. <laughs> right? Like this, because like this does feel like an end one because already Dracula and Frankenstein are together, but they seem to like Dracula seems to already know Frankenstein pretty well. The Frankenstein monster, I'm sorry, the monster pretty well, where he would um 
you know, because it, uh, even in those days, they called him. They didn't call him the Frankenstein monster. They called him Frankenstein, but mm -hmm. he wasn't Frankenstein. That was the doctor. You know, he was the monster. You know, or whatever. So, but even in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, they met Frankenstein's monster. So technically, yep. they always called it that. You know, because that's just what this is what everybody knew it as. Yeah. And there are all the fun little throwbacks in there too, uh, like like how the uh, uh, the uh, doctor, um, uh, uh, so Sandra, like had the um, had the Doctor Frankenstein's uh, novel in there that showed up in like easily almost half the Universal monster movies. Like Doctor Frankenstein's diary showed up in so many of them, and it, it's almost like borderline uh, cliche. Like, oh, it's a Universal monster movie. Where where's this? Where's this journal? <laughs> So I have a question about that. You might know the answer, but um, and you might not. But uh, um, like so that is that a specific thing to the Universal monsters as opposed to like the book of Frankenstein? Oh uh, yeah, I think it was a, more of the of the one that was used in the original Frankenstein movie and stuff. So it was from actually more of the movie movie universe. What I'm I'm wondering about is because. Like from what I've understood, you can do a um, you can do like say a Wizard of Oz movie because it's public domain, right? Mm -hmm. But you can't have the slippers be ruby because that was in the it, it was MGM or whatever Fox whoever owns Wizard of Oz that's their you know property is the ruby slippers were something that they copy wrote and trademarked or whatever that's their thing so you can't do that but you could do like whatever the original slippers were colored emerald or whatever they were colored in the uh in the book you know so you can actually do that you can use slippers but they have to be the same colors in the book and so i'm wondering if that's that journal that's in that because i was i was fascinated by go oh the was it the life and or life and death or something you know how to create life and death you know or whatever by frank 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 frankenstein so i was just thinking like what the heck you know um is that is that specific to the book and could somebody like that's making a public domain fam of a frankenstein movie do use that book use that journal or the title or is that just universal monster that's something to look into i guess yeah the, that's a good question i definitely don't know uh, the answer uh, to that one <laughs> yeah it'd be good because it'd be cool if you like somebody was doing a frankenstein movie and used that but if if that's you know you can always say frankenstein's journal you know and stuff they can't <laughs> i don't think they can sue you over that you know um but if you said the specific title of that book that she's you know she reads and it's something that's just the universal did because you said it was in all the universal movies so i'm wondering if that was something that they that they put just for themselves which would mean that you can't you know unless you're making a uh for universal frankenstein movie which i think they are i think they're working on a couple of things like that you know I've been here about I'm like like one that really caught my ear that I, I really really hope uh, gets off the ground. I mean, it, it's kind of been deadline for a while, but I heard they were going to do a uh, creature from the Black Lagoon, and they were looking at uh, Scarlett Johansson to be the uh, new uh, Mary Adams uh, for bare lack of words. Um, uh, and I loved uh, that casting choice. I was like, yeah, I mean, 
Uh, like I've seen uh, Scarlett Johanna, but like I you know, do like all those like 1920s and 1930s and 40s uh, pinup models. She's got like the perfect bone structures uh, uh, to do that golden era style of of of, of uh, Mary Adams, and I think she would do a wonderful job at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was thinking, you know, it would be a good comedy now if Universal wanted to do it. I don't Mm know -hmm. if they could because I think it's a different company that owns it. But, uh, you know, Harold and Kumar meet Frankenstein. Yeah. (laughs) Could you imagine if they're stoned and they went to like or meet Dracula and they go and they they're stoned and they meet, you know, Dracula in in Transylvania. (laughs) Like that would be funny. I don't know. I get a kick out of that, but I doubt. I think Harold and Kumar is dead. You know, I haven't, I haven't done anything with them in forever. Yeah, you know. one, one of my favorite crossovers. I would love to see more anything, and they've always and I've, I've seen a lot of artwork and even some like comic book, uh, you know, like comic books, uh, kind of like you know, uh, uh, poking the bear at it a little bit. And I would love to see this come to fruition. It's kind of funny because I'm wearing part of its uh, shirt. Um, I would love, yep. I would love to see Scooby-Doo and the gang go to Camp Crystal Lake. Funny enough, we were talking about that earlier. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. You know, um, I maybe they could, you know, soon enough or whatever, because all that, that lawsuit stuff's over with. And so as long as I guess New Line would have to or whoever owns. Well, I guess it's Victor Miller owns it, but I don't know who technically distributes Paramount distributes. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know who does uh you know, who does Scooby Doo? Oh, Scooby Doo is uh, Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers, yeah. So Warner Brothers and Paramount would have to make some compromise or whatever, but that would be kind of cool, you know. Uh, I I don't understand why companies don't. I understand nobody wants to do half and half or whatever. They don't want to make less money, but like they would make more money that they would have to take half of, you know, if they did it, <laughs> less than what they would. If they didn't do it at all, you know, like they would still make money off of this. So I, I don't understand why companies won't combine like Marvel and and DC, you know, are supposed to be working together someday, you know, for something. I mean- some of those deals are so lucrative too. I mean, look what I mean. Like you know, the the Sony deal. Sony got uh, the lease out Spider Man to uh, Disney Marvel. I mean, it was one of those uh, kind of deals where like. Disney had uh, got to do all the legwork and everything else, and uh, outside of the movie sales, uh, all merchandise and everything else, uh, like it was, it was like already by by default, like it was all almost all of it was going back to Sony anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah, was, I, mean, I mean, but Sony, and you know, and then the Sony did like Venom and did, which Venom is great, but Venom Two was, nah. um, and uh, and I hated Morbius. I don't know, like that's a. It's a sore subject. Some people love it, which is weird. And I think it's, I don't know what's wrong with those people, but there's no <laughs> offense, you know, to people who, who do love it. I don't know if you do or not, but I just, I don't get it. Um, and then there's some people like me who just flat out like thought, like I wasted my time waiting for that, you know, like that film. Um, so yeah, it was, it was trash, but you know, um, <laughs> That's I, I don't know. What what are your thoughts on Morbius, or do you not want to say it? Oh, I, honestly, um, I was going to tell you. I mean, I, I got no problem with it. Um, I was kind of middle of the road, and I think part of it was was I heard so much negativity about it that I went in there expecting the worst. And don't get me wrong, I wouldn't say it was a good film or or anything like that, but it wasn't as bad as as I was uh, I was uh, uh, anticipating. 
So I kind of came out with it going like more of that. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, I'm gonna, like I said, I didn't love it, uh, but I didn't absolutely like, you know, despise and hate where I'm like, oh man, what, 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 what you know, well, like you know, uh, garbage. Um, you know, I mean, but you know, that was kind of the way where the Venom movies. I love the first Venom movie. Uh, uh, the second one wasn't like horrible, but I it was nowhere near uh, on the level as the first one. And by default, because you're having that carnage crossover, that should not happened. Uh, you know, that should have been actually a much bigger hit of a movie than the first. And one. It should have been R rated and agreed. And Venom itself should have been R rated. To begin with, I don't know if it was or not, but uh, I don't think it was. I think both of them were PG 13. And I think I understand it because it's in the Spider Man world, you know, universe and everything, but like Venom is scary, you know, or whatever in some way or another. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, it's just like everybody complaining that they're going to make a PG 13 blade. It shouldn't be PG 13. I agree, like 100%. It's stupid. Like, what I. Don't don't do that. You know you've got the resources. You can make it R. You're gonna do Deadpool three as R. Do fucking Blade as R. Make it violent. Make it edgy. Make it badass. But no, you're gonna you're gonna make it PG thirteen because you want more kids to check out your movie and more kids read. I mean, kids don't read comic books these days. You know, like I've, I I go to a, a guy who sells comic books and he says barely anybody like any kids you know his his best customers are the people that have grown up with comic books those are his best customers like kids do but like not as much they're more in a like games and shit you know and stuff so i don't know i just think you know um but that's that's all comic book stuff go back to avid costello meet frank oh, which you know <laughs> i mean it's kind of cool because they did have their own like little cinematic universe in itself. Because later on, he met the mummy. They met the mummy. They met Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. They met the Invisible Man. They met all these different things, and that's pretty cool. You know that they did a horror stuff. You know. Um, oh yeah, I mean, and they had all other all other standalones too to build up to like the crossovers too, even which made that even uh, cooler uh, and stuff and. I guess you know, like you said, you had all the original Bella Lagusa Draculas, and that was a great part. You got almost all of them back. Uh, I know, I know they wanted to get bored, bored us, uh, 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 in this uh, too, but like uh, something came off on that one. Uh, well, no, he from what I read, and I read about this today, is that he uh was asked to come back as Frankenstein, but he said no, uh, because uh, I think he just didn't want to poke fun. At his care, you know, like he like probably read the script was like, this is just this is not as, you know, like this isn't going to be funny for me. Uh, but he did agree to do like he didn't even want to watch it, you know, and so he agreed to like take publicity uh, photos of him buying a ticket for the movie and stuff like that. You know, Boris Karloff is at the ticket, you know, buying a ticket for Abner Costello meet Frankenstein and stuff. And I think that's cool. But aside from that, he had no interest in this movie and, and stuff. And neither, um, you know, uh, neither did um, uh, Costello, um, if I'm correct, uh, on it. Um, I got to make sure about this, but I'm pretty sure I read this right as uh, 
um, what is it? Uh, Costello did not want um to do uh to do it because he read the script, and it wasn't it wasn't that funny when he read it. Now they could have changed it and and you know whatever, right? Like um that kind of I thing. Mean, so I think they probably did. Yeah, Lou I mean, Costello did not want to make the movie, declaring, "No way, I'll do that crap." My little girl could write a script better than that. Um, a $50,000 advance in salary and a signing of director Charles Barton, the team's good friend and the man who some call the best director, call their best director, convinced him otherwise. So, um, you know, love, there were a lot of fun, cool things I have on that one, too. I actually uh, did, 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 did a lot of digging on that one myself uh, before. And uh, uh, Gwen Strange, uh, apparently, at one point uh, during filming, actually hurt his back. And uh, that one scene where you see him uh, near the end where he, get, where he breaks out of the uh, bed and uh, picks up the uh, mad scientist, uh, uh, Sandra, and throws her through the window, that's not him. Wow. You know, That's a you stunt know, guy, basically. Uh, actually, it's someone of notoriety, actually. And, you know, I didn't pick up on it, but then when I went uh, and I watched it quite a few more times, I was like, oh, my God, yeah. I, I guess, yeah, that, that definitely could have worked because they were not in the same room together. But it was actually Lon Chaney Jr. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, because he, yeah, he wasn't in the room at the time, so that makes sense. And funny enough, he actually has played, uh, he's actually the only man who actually has played the Wolfman in a movie, Frankenstein in a movie, and Dracula in a movie. Because uh, he actually did play uh, Dracula in, 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 like, like in a one-off Dra uh, Dracula movie, and he did play Frankenstein in some other uh, Frankenstein movie, uh, besides uh, the Abbott Costello meets uh, one, that is. He, is. he is the son of the man of a thousand faces. So, yeah, you know. he is. I mean... Yeah, don't take nothing away from Lon Chaney either. I mean, honestly, both him and his son were absolutely phenomenal. I mean, yeah. they're icons in the horror industry. I mean, all of them are, in my opinion. I mean, Bella I Lucia mean, there's even there's a there's one out there right now, Ron Chaney, and uh, I've chatted with him before. He's a really good guy. He's out there, you know, acting still and everything. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm happy to see that. Sadly, he's not like he's not he's not living in a time where he can play one of those roles or something, you know? So it'd be cool to have him play the wolf man again and like, or not again, but play the wolf man and a universal project or whatever, but just with his namesake of being Ron Chaney, you know, uh, I think it's Lon Chaney Jr.'s son, if I'm correct or something or their nephew, but something like that. He's in the Chaney family. So oh. that's awesome. Uh, No, that would be cool. I mean, like, and they did a great uh, remake of The Wolfman too with uh, Anthony Hopkins and Benito uh, del Toro. I, mean, mm -hmm. I, I, I actually thought that was a very well done uh, a remake. I felt like it stayed true to the original source material, um, added a little bit more of a Victorian charm to it. But I mean, like, you know, I thought that added cool to the aesthetics and it it, it meshed well. I found no problems with it. Um, yeah, and you know, the movie Van Helsing was like. Yeah. the first time back for all those characters in a universal movie um, because those guys did not come back to all come together since that uh, since Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein those three those three characters and so they were back in, and I'm not going to lie I wasn't a huge fan of Stephen Summers Van Helsing because I felt like he used way too much CGI and uh, 
it, it just didn't feel the same as what I grew up on. Now, that's the thing. Like, you watch The Mummy, it's not the same movie that the Stephen Summers' The Mummy is not no. the same as The Mummy. Like, it's not even the core story. It's, uh, what is it? Uh, it's, um, uh, you know, it's just an action adventure movie. And that was why I was really disappointed with um, uh, Tom Cruise basically doing a remake of that one and not a remake of the original movie, you know, or whatever. And I feel like, because of course it's Tom Cruise, he's got to be action and, and, and shit, but like it should have been more exciting and it should have been uh horror, you know, more horror, like, but what? I still own it on 4k because believe it or not, there's some great fucking scenes that like, really work for 4k like the like there's like a plane crash scene or whatever in the in the new mummy that just blew me away you know or whatever i don't know if you've seen it or not oh yeah no i've, I've, I've watched all, all the mummy movies uh uh you know from from the originals to like a lot of like the uh like you know offbeat ones and the, the old italian ones to even all these newer ones uh, i mean and yeah like, like the um of, of, of the ones that we grew up uh, uh, watching and stuff uh, with, um, oh God, why am I drawing a blank on his name all of a sudden? Uh, from the whale. Um, oh, Brennan Fraser. 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 Yeah. Got to yeah. make sure you say his name right. Fraser. Uh, Fraser. Yeah. yeah. He uh, uh, apparently, because of the whale and getting an Academy of fucking Ward, good for him. Well know, deserved. Well deserved. Well, you know, finally, you know, he deserved, you know, he's deserved one for a long time. Um, but he got one and um, now he's being very particular about the next projects he does. And I get that, you know, don't, don't go and say, Oh, well, I'm a big, you know, time guy. Now I can do anything. No, be picky and choosy, pick good movies, you know, as I guarantee you they're coming after him, you know, <laughs> right. Wouldn't you agree? Like they would be like, oh, yeah. uh, like his I... agents be picky. You ever seen Entourage? The TV show oh, on yeah. HBO, oh, yeah, yeah. like when Ari will be like, "Let's get Vinny a project," you know. Here, let's find you know whatever. Uh, oh, this person's got this thing. Oh, this person's got this movie. Oh, this person, you know, you know. Oh, and uh, and then uh, that's gonna be Brendan Fraser. Is gonna they're gonna be like, "We could have you play this part." And it's like, "Yeah, no, thank you." This part, oh no, I don't think so. Oh, you know, and then he finally finds a next his next project which wins another academy award you know or whatever you know um a24 is killing it man i'm not gonna lie you know um aside from like warner brothers doing like the insidious and and things like that um uh a24 is doing killing it with horror a lot too so Oh yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. Like, I, was, I was a real big fan of uh, X. Uh, I thought that was a really good one. I need to see both of the other ones after X. Uh, I know there's that Maxine that's coming out soon, and then I need to see Pearl as well. You know, have oh, so, so I've been going around watching it and stuff. Uh, I've been uh, playing catch up. We got a lot of other, other things like TV shows and other movies. I've been trying to. Watch. I, I didn't even know they had TV shows until recently, so I need to watch their TV shows as well. You know, um, yeah. Um, to go back a little bit to the the Universal Monster movies, 
uh, Blumhouse uh, did The Invisible Man, and I thought it was, it was okay. Like, it wasn't, you know, it did really well in the box office from what I understand. So hopefully they'll make it, you know, they'll do more. But, like, it... It, it 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 didn't it had the horror aspect which is what i wanted back but it didn't still didn't feel like the invisible man to me <laughs> you know like i don't know i don't know what i wanted i i i think it felt more like a a psycho x thing you know like have you seen it uh, I, I'm not seeing the newest one. Uh, um, no, I, I know the one you're talking about, but I haven't uh, caught it yet. But I've, I've watched a lot of Invisible Man ones, uh, even like the uh, Bacon and uh, even the sequel with uh, Christian Slater of uh, uh, the Holloman series. Because uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's the Invisible Man right there. Yeah. Well, have uh, you seen Memoirs of an Invisible Man? Yes, I have. <laughs> John Carpenter, you know, mm -hmm. movie. Originally going to be Ivan Reitman, by the way. It was Ivan Reitman was attached to it, and then Chevy Chase and Ivan Reitman did not get along because Ivan Reitman wanted a comedy. You know, he wanted another Ghostbusters special effects comedy. Having che Chevy Chase, you would think, right? Chevy oh, Chase didn't want to do a comedy; he wanted to do a drama where they explored the 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 idea of loneliness, of invisibility, and shit. And I'm like, hmm. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, it, it, it's not a bad concept, but if that's the route you're going, I probably wouldn't go with Chevy. <laughs> yeah, Chevy's just, he's a funny guy, you know? And he's really good at his humor. But and then again, it would be like Robin Williams, you know, and The Invisible Man, you know? Like, that's, unless you're going comedy, if you did drama, it would just seem weird, you know, a little bit, you know? Like, um, but he could he he could have nailed it though. I would say that if if they didn't have Chevy Chase, Robin Williams would have been a great you know. I think oh. it was about the time that Robin Williams was getting his name even bigger with like Mrs. Doubtfire and stuff. So, oh, and then the the stuff he did later on in his life, like Twenty Four Hour Photo and uh, Insomnia with uh, Al Pacino, like you know. He really showed a much darker side of characters that uh, he could play, and they were believable. Like you know, like he sold me on those. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely eight hour photo. Man, that movie just creeped me the fuck out. You know, um, he did another. He did other ones. He did like Death to Smoochie, I think. You oh, know? That, and, Death to Smoochie. Yeah, that was comedy. <laughs> it was comedy, but it was dark comedy. Oh yeah, you know. Kind of reminded me, what was that? Uh, what was Shakes the Clown with Bobcat Goldthwait, where it's like a dark oh, comedy? Yep, 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 that was Shakes the Clown. <laughs> yeah, and Robin Williams was in that too, playing a mime, I believe. Like, mm -hmm. you know, um, but anyway, uh, as for Abbott and Costello, um, you know, I, I never really was a fan of theirs. Like, I liked Who's On First, I thought that skit was hilarious. Um, but I never really watched a lot of their stuff. After watching this again, though, because I hadn't seen it in years, I don't even think I finished it. You know, so this is, I think this is the first time I watched watched it fully. Um, because when I watched it years ago, I, was, I got kind of bored. I guess you know, like I don't know why, but it wasn't necessarily for me at the time. But now I I love it. Like after watching it today, I'm like ah, need to watch like Ebony Costello meet the Invisible Man and. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and see which all, ones are 
Yeah, they, they they went to the Foreign Legion or something, you know, and they meet a Boris, a uh, uh, Karloff, the uh, killer. <laughs> or, I, or yeah, so they did work with Boris, but like I I don't get Boris Karloff the killer, but I don't know what that yeah. meant. Like, did they make he's a he's a killer killing people or something? Exactly. Um, um, and then they also did one with him. Uh, I, I, believe, I believe it was Boris. I, I had to go back and check on that one. But I, I know he wasn't that one. But he might have also been the mummy. And Amixo meets the mummy. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I know he played the uh, the mummy um, uh, before. Uh, let's see. Let's find out real quick. Yeah, please. Uh, yeah. Let's like I said, that one I wouldn't quote me on, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you know, the laundry list was short uh, as far as, you know, the big, tall, massive people who got to be in the Universal Monsters because a lot of it also involved the patience of all of that makeup application being put on. Um, weirdly enough, it doesn't say who, like, played the mummy. Um, it say a guy named Michael and Sarah played Charlie. Dan Seymour played Joseph. Richard Deacon played Simu, Simu. Uh, Kurt Catch played Dr. Gustav Zumer. Hetzut was played by Richard Carlin. So, um, is that the mummy? That might be, actually. Okay. I just go back that one. It's, it's been a hot minute since I watched the one. Uh, I've I, I been watching some of their more old uh, classic ones, like uh, uh, then when they uh, did, did the redemption of uh, Jack and the Beanstalk. Uh, that one was actually pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah, they they've gone to Mars apparently. They uh Mars they go to the Navy. Uh oh they did another horror comedy one that usually doesn't get a lot of uh love or uh, I don't want to say not a lot of love, but not enough of uh, recognition. Uh they did one called Hold That Ghost, where uh, they go into a haunted house. I've heard of that and it's even on like one of those boutique labels like Kino or something, you know, mm -hmm. so it's it's you know, seen by a lot of people. But uh, so I want to I want to check it out at some point. You know, I uh, it kind um, of meets House on Haunted Hill. Oh, okay, that's funny. I I would see. I would definitely love to see this stuff. Like I would love to see more Abbott Costello pictures. You know, and things. You know, see what see what they do. But uh, I guess you know that's one of those things of you know, like, oh, that's a great idea, but. Don't know, like, uh, like uh, a lot of these are hard to find. You have to buy them or something, you know. Or I mean, you just find a friend who's about an hour and thirty power thirty-seven minutes or so away from you that has the collection, and just go up there, visit him, and hang out and have and fun. watch it for the whole weekend, you know, yeah. or something. That would be a fun fucking weekend, just watching Abbey Costello movies the whole time. The problem with watching those things and doing those is the same thing I thought. And I was like, I want to do Abbey Costello. Like, I want to make my own Abbey Costello characters, you know? And uh, the funny thing is I thought about, because my buddy Paul that does the podcast and stuff, and he's a little bigger guy, and I'm I'm smaller, but I'm not taller, you know? That's, mm -hmm. the, that's the problem is, like, if I were taller and thinner and he was bigger and shorter, it would work. You know, um, the only person I know that can act, the only people I know that can actually like compete sort of in today's world to uh, Abney Costello is 
there's this uh, guy named Dave Campfield, and he does this series called uh, Caesar and Otto. And Caesar and Otto is sort of like a Abbott and Costello, like, you know, one guy's big, one guy's small, you know, or whatever. And they, uh, the big guy is always bashful and, you know, and uh, whatever. But the, and the, the, the little guy always makes fun of the big guy, you know, or whatever and stuff. And I think it, it's sort of, even though I think they try to say they're not like that, you know, they're not trying to sort of rip off you know, Abbott Costello, they sort of have a little bit of an Abbott Costello feel to theirs. And they do, like, they did, they worked with your girl, Felissa Rose, a bunch of times. So you might have heard the name Dave Campfield from her, if ever. But uh, they did, uh, like, Caesar and Otto uh, go to summer camp or whatever, like, so similar to what you did with Felissa, but... Uh, and then there was another one where it's uh, Abbott and Costello, uh, like Halloween, Abbott and Costello, you know, meets Dracula's lawyer, you know, stuff <laughs> like that. Like fun little goofy stuff. And yeah, so it's very Abbott and Costello. So, yeah, so Caesar and Otto. And I like, uh, you know, check it out if you get a chance to to see any of their stuff. I think they're, some of their stuff's on uh, uh, Tubi. You know, when you were talking about that, you got my uh, gears going, and uh, I kind of think I uh, you you've helped me uh, get a small little uh, epiphany. Actually, um, you know who else I think did uh, had some inspiration with Abbott Costello when they did their movie, Tuck Dale versus Evil. Tuck and Dale versus Evil. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, you got the big guy who's shy and, and you know trying to be the ladies' girl. You got the the skinnier guy who's a straight guy who's more of the stern one, and uh, and he's also an asshole sort of to yeah. to the to the big guy, you know, and everything. Yeah, you're right. Uh, there's there's like the redneck version, exactly of, of Abbott and Costello. That's funny. Never thought about. It. But the only reason I never thought about it was because they only have one movie, and that's such a bummer. They should do T Tucker and Dale versus something else or meets something or whatever and they should do another one because like why not i mean there are characters that i feel like could you know do that yeah, i mean like and i agree with you. i mean there are movies i've seen that have gotten like dozens of sequels that like i'm not saying they're bad films but i would say they didn't have the entertainment value that tucker and dale uh brought you uh and stuff and i've I'm with you. I mean, like that that movie definitely deserved at least a solid trilogy at the very least. It deserved a trilogy. Uh, uh, like, like, you know, it, like, that, well, you know, maybe the next one, it could have been like, you know, not the book uh, of the dead, like from Evil Dead, but maybe a book like that or something. And people are getting uh, possessed and they're just trying and, and, and uh, you know, save, save themselves and stuff, of course. And, you know, they uh, end up tripping up on the way. All the demons yeah. I like, I like, but what I liked about Tucker and Dale, and we've done this on horror film lovers. Actually, we did Tucker and Dale versus Evil already. But what I liked about it the most was the fact that um, Tucker and Dale didn't realize really what was going on. You know what I mean? They just sort of like people were just dying all around them. And they're like, ah, like why is this happening? And and it wasn't even like. It wasn't even like evil was like, you know, it wasn't like 
like book like you said like evil dead where like there's this mystical force that is making everything happen it's just literally just people are just getting killed and they're just like so they're not really they never really fought evil they just sort of you know tried to make sure that they didn't get killed you know right and that they i mean they fought somebody at the end but like that was just that guy was just thinking that they were the ones doing all of this you know right um it's it's sort of that joke if you like you know you turn your back and you don't see somebody get killed or whatever you're gonna blame the person next to you that did you know why did you kill that person you know right <laughs> like i didn't they just impaled themselves you know right and so i don't know i like i like tucker and dale versus evil uh the only thing i never liked was the title because it literally should be dale and tucker versus evil because of the alphabetical you know i'm very structurally like that like i i don't like things out of order i feel like it's weird you know but um you know considering i think tucker was the main character though you know or supposedly the the main guy i think it was so maybe that was the reason they called him that because uh what's the guy's name from fucking um uh from fucking um serenity um I think his name's Alan something. Oh, uh, Alan uh, Tudyk. Mm. Tudyk, yeah. Alan Tudyk. Don't know why I was blanking on that name, but uh, I, I love him. Like, I adore everything he does. Did you ever see, like, he had, a, he had his own web series that he did with, um, uh, was it, uh, he did, he did, who was I knew it? The alien one, um, where he was an alien that was living in that small town. No, it was a yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about, uh, Resident Alien. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, I'm talking about like he had his own actual like web series that he did. It was about himself, like he was he played himself in at a con. Um, mm -hmm. what's it called? King of Con Man. Con Man. <laughs> yeah. So it was like Ray Nearly, which is basically what Alan Tudyk is. You know, is a struggling actor. Who starred as a spaceship pilot on Spectrum, a cult classic science fiction series? He navigates the odd people and incidents he encounters along the way while learning to love the fans he has, you know, at conventions. So it shows him going to conventions and how sort of people treat, and probably based on real experiences that he had there and stuff. It's pretty funny. And there was another group that did its same thing. But they did it from like the supernatural angle. Was uh, Richard Spate Jr. and uh, I forgot what was the other one, but they did uh, Kings of Khan, uh, which was similar. Um, the idea of I think they played themselves. Yeah, it was Rob Ben Rob, uh, Rob Benedict and Richard Spate, and those guys were in the show Supernatural. They did their own. You know, show it's all Kings of Khan, so Khan Man and Kings of Khan are funny web series. So, get a chance to check them out, they're funny. I think you like them. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely an Alan Tudyk fan. <laughs> so, what was your favorite line in this movie? Oh, uh, I think my favorite line, uh, like I kind of like uh, jabbed at it a little bit with you uh, earlier, uh, like on my uh, post, um, 
because uh, I, I actually have used it on a couple of times on film sets and it always gets the director laughing their ass. So I'm like, yeah, we're going to be, we're going to do this. I'm like, all right, fine. But I'm going to tell you right now, I, 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 I want, I want my daily rate and double uh, because I'm, I'm, because I am a union man and I work 16 hours and it's like, it's eight hours. I'm like, <laughs> I belong to unions. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great, that's a great line. Um, yeah. I, the way he's, the, the, his delivery is just gold, you know. Um, both both Abbott and Costello, they're both the especially they work off each other really nice. And oh yeah, um, I obviously like that scene that I posted, you know, where uh, he's talking about, uh, you know, you have two, you know, we share and share alike, and you know, and he's like, if I had if I had two cigarettes, you would give me, I, I would give you one, and if I had two pairs of shoes, I'd give you well, a pair of shoes, and if I had two women, I'd tell you to light up the cigarette, take those shoes, and start walking away. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, is uh, you know, I think that's funny and shit. And the fact that two women liked him, I think, was the funniest bit. You know, because he was not a very like attractive and likable person, in my opinion. You know, mm-hmm. he's, you know, he shouldn't, he shouldn't have had two women. But both women were using him. That was the point, you know, right? They were using him, which confused the hell out of, um, you know, uh, uh, oh, Abbott, Abbott. Abbott. You know, they confused the hell out of Abbott. And chick. Chick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, chick. Oh, chick. <laughs> that, was, oh. that was so great. I think they picked that name so they can say it like that and everything. Cause they were probably oh, trying chick. to pick a name that would just make you laugh, you know? Whenever you said it, like or whatever, because each movie, I thought that that was a running name, and they kept the same names for every, you know, all the movies to tie in. No, they have different names for all their characters. Like their characters are different people in each one, which I think is sort of funny. But like, if it were done today, I think it would be the same name, and that they would, you know, if like Abbott Costello meet. Uh, Iron Man, you know, they did like that. They would, it would be like, uh, they, which actually would be funny, you know, like some two very, you know, funny people or whatever got to, to meet like the Marvel Cinematic Universe people or the DC people, you know what I mean? Like that would be funny. I would, I would definitely, you know, um, was it Abacus telling me Batman, you know, like funny like i'm sure you could do some funny funny stuff with that you know um but uh like yeah but they would have to make them have like the same names each movie so that they could tie in together you know especially if they're doing universes you know or whatever cinematic universes that's one thing that you kind of bummed me out i was just thinking about now too is uh like during the, the, the Scooby Doo and Friends uh, mystery hours, but back in the day, they used to actually have a lot of those old classic anime people on there. They had the Three Stooges and Laurel and Hardy and Mama Cass and all that. And I was like, but yet they never did use that in, in uh, Costello. I wonder. I wonder why. That's a darn shame. Do you know if that was like, when was that? Was that 60s? I mean, I mean, well, we see. Uh, I mean, that one. Uh, 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 Amy Frankenstein was nineteen forty-eight, but 
I also uh, know, uh, like, I've done a lot of history because that was always one of my favorites. Like, uh, like I know they were around for a while, Lucille uh, uh, Ball's uh, big success because, like, a lot of times during uh, her rough uh, times with her marriage, she would actually leave and she would actually go out with Abby Costello. Uh, mostly they would go out to uh, the uh, Brown Derby Club. Uh, I've heard of the Brown Derby from, like, Ed Wood, you know? I think they used it in Ed Wood. And I'm not sure if they used it in Swingers, too. I know they used... Uh... Maybe, but uh, I I've always wanted I I never went there you know when I was in LA I don't know if it exists anymore. Let me let me see. Do you know if it exists anymore or not? No, I don't. I don't like. That is a good question though. Like another place I want to go check out um, is I I would love to go see the uh, Costello uh, statue in uh, New Jersey. Uh, Hmm. Uh, it is open. Uh, it's not open right now. So this is yeah. closed, but opens Friday at twelve. Oh, so the Brown Derby Club is still alive and going. Yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait. That's in Connecticut. Oh no, that, not not uh, the same. Uh, well, it might be like a, I don't know if it was a chain or anything like this. A, a thing. Um. Yeah, the Brown Derby. That's that's the name. I. Mm-hmm. Why is this being? My internet has been fucking up all day today. I'm surprised we're having a good conversation and it's not fucking up at all. I was like worried. Um, let me see. Brown Derby, LA. Los Angeles. Um, Brown Derby Plaza. No, that's a mall. Um, the Brown Derby um, Club. <laughs> well, yeah, it says old restaurants, but it says vintage Los Angeles. So that's not a good sign. Yeah. Wait. No, that's Plaza. That's a mall, shopping mall. Los Angeles. Um, restaurant open. I'm sad you have to like write a billion things to get it to. Yeah, maybe it got turned into the. Um... Ooh, okay. This this thing says the famous Brown Derby restaurant remains, sort of. It says arguably the most famous landmark uh, restaurant in Los Angeles is the Brown Derby. There was actually a chain of restaurants, so that's why there's a Brown Derby in Connecticut. Uh-huh. Um, the uh. Most people think the first restaurant to open, the one that's shaped like a man's derby hat, you know, um, was the only one. Little remains of the famous L.A. landmark. The Brown Derby restaurant holds a special place uh, in the hearts of anyone that was a loyal follower of the old I Love Lucy series. Uh, In the first episode, when the show moved uh, from its New York setting to Hollywood entitled L.A., at last, Lucy, Ethel, and Fred have lunch at the Brown Derby. So actually, she, I guess she really did like the Brown Derby. Oh, yeah. So the friends are uh, seated uh, at a booth with Eden or Eve Arden on one side and William Holden on the other. Um, but let me see if it says anything why it's what's going on with it. Um, the Hollywood Brown Derby was located near Hollywood and Vine in the Hollywood Walk of Fame where the radio shows were being broadcast. Um, where's 
as you can see from old photos. Um, Brown Derby restaurant is a sad effort of preservation. It sits far enough back in the shopping center that it would never occur to you that you're looking at the famous old Brown Derby restaurant. So the plaza, I think, is is where it's where it's at. So you can go to it, but it's like a mall, you know, that took over and the restaurants semi there, but it's not, you know, you can't go to it, you know, or anything. And it's not the same. Kind of Yeah. sucks. Kind of sucks, man. I, I feel like I'm living in a different time. Like I kind of keep wishing I was living in the fifties, you know, and shit like that, that, that would have been such a great time. Fifties LA would have been banging, you know? I mean, that was one of the great things that I like, like you know, about that like era too. Like, you know, just it felt like life was more simpler, jokes were just more whimsical and funny and stuff it's one reason why i fell in love with this movie so much it was actually like just the comedy of the constant one-liners of the back and forth between them like you know kind of like what you were talking about earlier you know what, what like you know the funny man uh, with, with, with the straight man and stuff but there's just so many great like you know uh, lines and moments in there like you know when they like you know when he's reading the dracula's uh like you know, information he goes i mean he thinks he's in there he goes oh yeah uh you know uh you know you know you know, you know that person that you uh said you didn't think he uh exists yeah well i think he's here in person <laughs> Right. I also love like the uh the subtle like not subtle actually, it's very in your face, but the uh the scenes with uh with like the, the physical scenes like um the the scene where the they're at the Dracula's castle basically, you know, the castle that Dracula and Frankenstein and all of them are at. And uh, he finds the secret passageway and he goes through it. But then the two of them go, it's almost cartoon-like, you know, it's almost Scooby-Doo-like where, you know, the, the two of the, was a Frankenstein and Dracula are right at the thing. So uh, they, when they go around all of a sudden it's like a revolving door and Dracula and Frankenstein are now on the other side and, And he's like, where are they? You know, like you said, they're here. They're not here. You know, it was like, what are you talking about? And then he goes through it again. And they, you know, I wanted, I wanted that scene where it goes like halfway and then they see the guys and they're just like, ah, you know, or something. But uh, they wanted to save uh, Costello, no, Abbott, Abbott Singh, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the, creatures and the, the those things till later so that he believes it at the end you know or whatever so throughout the whole movie he's not believing it Oh yeah, it wasn't until like you're right, very close to the end, like when Dracula first uh, changes back from a bat to being uh, Dracula himself in front of him. That's the first time he goes, "Oh!" And of course, what's his reaction? The man faints. yep Uh, yep that i probably would have been my reaction honestly i'd be scared to death especially bella lugosi you know um but yeah so, i what oh, go ahead. Oh, no. I was, I was going to ask you. Uh, so, between all of the uh, monsters uh, in this one, Bella Lugosi's Dracula, Lon Chaney's uh, Junior's Wolfman, um, uh, uh, Gwen Strange's uh, Frankenstein, um, or if you want to throw in there, uh, Vincent Price's Invisible Man. What, which uh, monster was your favorite from from this one? Well, it definitely wouldn't be Vincent Price's because you don't see him and he kind of, you know, just makes that voice cameo at the end, which is cool. I was like, wait, is that Vincent Price? And then, yeah. And then your friend confirmed it on, on Facebook. So I'm like, oh, shit. 
Um, that was Vincent Price. I didn't look it up. Um, I thought that was really cool, but unfortunately, it did not look like they used him for the Invisible Man movie, and that's kind of a disappointment. Yeah, you know? no, that, I agree with you. I would have loved for Vincent Price to have been in, in their movie uh, with them. I think that would have been absolutely hysterical. I think it would have been great, but you know what? Um, I, I don't know if it was a money thing or if it was just, you know, whatever, but uh didn't work out. Um, I, so, first of all, this is the first time you're seeing Bela Lugosi playing Dracula since he played Dracula in the 1931 Dracula. Like, from what I remember reading... He wasn't even looked at at first. They weren't even going to go to him. You know, they were going to go to this other guy who actually went up for Dracula and lost to Bela Lugosi. So it's really funny that guy was up for this and then lost again to Bela Lugosi. You know, <laughs> but uh, it's kind of ironic. Uh, but the uh, like, yeah. So it's great to see him again. Um, he was on top form. You know, I didn't see any problems with with Bella like at all. Like, you know, you you know the story about him. Um, it's in the movie Edward, but it was it was all over the news that um the biggest problem with Bella Gose at the time was he had a drug problem. He was uh he, he had um he he did needles and um I don't know uh, he might have done heroin and all these other things, you know, he was he had a drug issue. Um, mm -hmm. And it really ha happened, I think, after this movie, because I think he was getting to a point where nobody was casting him anymore. He's, he's typecast as Dracula, so people only wanted him for like vampire stuff or white zombie or whatever. But he wasn't getting he wasn't getting like the, the roles that, you know, he sort of deserved. You know, I, I think he really deserved better, better stuff. Um, but he, he became like a B movie guy. And then, then, oh man, he went into Ed Wood territory toward the end. And that was just, that was just sad. Thank God he didn't do any of the Edward porn, you know, um, he, he missed that train, uh, by a few years. Um, but I, and I love Edward. Like, I don't say anything bad, you know, about it. Like Bride of the Monster is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like I love that movie to death. Um, uh, but you know, and Bella is great in that. But Bella's so good in this movie. Coming back, um, Glenn Strange has played Frankenstein numerous times. You know, and you were you were saying he hurt his back. Um, I I I I heard like that when uh Costello sits in his lap. You know, he did like different takes and different things each time. You know that kept making him laugh throughout like you know could you imagine having him sit in your lap and then he's just like doing all these different things and just like saying all these different things to probably just throwing you completely off you know um and so i i loved him as frankenstein but like i said he's been frankenstein a lot you know he was the monster a lot and so i it was really just really cool to see bella and i enjoyed him and he also got to sort of even though it was Dracula, you know, he got to play that Dr. Lothos or whatever, Lethos or whatever his name was. And uh, so he got to pretend to be someone else, which is pretty cool.
you know, and I like that. What about you? Oh, uh, I, I would probably have to go with Lon Chaney's uh, Wolfman. Um, I, I, he was always one of my top favorites to begin with. I'm I'm a big fan of, of of the actor and his father too. I thought like I know we were talking about earlier. I think they're both just absolutely amazing uh, actors. Um, and uh, I I fell in love with Lon Chaney Jr.'s uh, Wolfman uh, at a young age. Like he was the first Universal monster character that really grabbed me. And I think part of it was is like you know there was. Uh, there was good and torture in him. You know, it's like he did bad things, but not that he wanted to. Uh, you know, it was something that he couldn't help, and he always tried to avoid uh, and stuff. And he always tried to find ways to uh, uh, first lock himself up, but then when he couldn't lock himself up, he actually tried to convince people to kill him so he wouldn't do it. You know, it was that beautiful torture cell that he was actually a nice guy, and you could tell he wanted to fall in love and all that. And a little bit of that Bill Bigsby's uh, Incredible Hulk almost escaped to it, if you would. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I feel like the Incredible Hulk is basically the Wolfman or Jekyll and Hyde or or whatever, all those different kind of things. Wolfman, um, I you know, this Wolfman, he was bumbling, he was tripping over shit, and I was just like, come on, man. Like, I, I get it, you gotta let the people run off, right? But, like, he became like Jason, you know, Jason just, you know, you're... Actually, it's the exact opposite. Jason generally keeps keeps walking, and people, other people, trip around him and shit, you know. And so this this guy is just bumbling. I guess it's more like Ghostface. Ghostface is a human, so he bumps into shit and stuff, or gets thrown shit at him, and you know, right? Um, so I don't know. I I I thought he was cool. it was cool to see him in the movie, you know. Um, but it was. You know, like once again, once again, just like you know, Glenn Strange, he's been Wolfman and like everything, you know, like, um, he's also played, I believe, he's also played the mummy and maybe even Frankenstein, um, monster, but or something, but he's he's the Wolfman, you know, oh, yeah, oh, you're you right, take that away from him. And you are right too. Uh, he was actually the first guy to ever play Frankenstein, Wolfman, Dracula, uh, and the Mummy uh, in all different movies. Yep. And so he's, you know, he's a great actor, and i I loved I love Talbot. I thought he was hilarious because, like, you know, because he had to play it all straight. You know, he had to, and he's good at it. Like, he's good at playing the straight character. He's got to be like, you're not going to believe me, but I turned into a werewolf. Like oh, oh yeah, so do so do everybody in uh you know after ten p.m. buddy and then he's <laughs> like he's like no, you're not listening to me you know right and like the other uh, other line I liked in it was um well I liked I just liked him playing uh Talbot and um and and making him oh I, I love the fact that he was. You know, when they came in, he saw the place wrecked and everything, and they just thought he was a drunk. You know, that's why he wanted to, to you know. And you know what? You could make a you could make a case for it and say that like that's sort of what the Wolfman, in a way, symbolizes is people's alcoholism and rage and and things. You know, uh, maybe not necessarily like that point blank but like you know if you 
look at that. He was, he had, you know, it looked like he had a bender. Like that's what they said went on a bender. And he's like, Oh, you know, and he looked like a mess when he woke up, his hair was all like messed up. And so he looked like he had just drank himself, you know, into oblivion and caused a wreck in the, in the, in the place. But really he became a werewolf and, you know, whatever, you know? So I don't know. I think, it's int- it was it's an interesting character but my favorite will always be Dracula like out of all characters in all of like uh supernatural literature and everything Dracula has always been my favorite I don't know why cuz I'm not huge I'm okay into vampires but Dracula there's something about him Well, he's the king of kings you know of vampires you know I mean he's the number one vampire uh you know, every kid knows. He's kind of like Freddy. Everybody knows his name. You know, mm-hmm. he's an icon. You know, like people might not know Robert England played Freddy, but you say Freddy Krueger, people okay. know who it is. Not everybody might not know that Bella Lugosi played Dracula. But you say Count Dracula, everybody knows that name. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, there's that, and then there's uh, uh. I, I I love that you love him, you know, out of all the characters, because the Wolfman also was. I love werewolves, you know, too. Like, you know, they're they're a big part of my heart. Um, and uh, there's just it's so funny to see somebody who people think are just a guy in a mask, you know. And that time at that time it was just like probably a little bit of makeup, you know, aesthetic. But you know, um, you also have that mask, the the werewolf mask or whatever, you know. So I don't know. There's some fun stuff in the movie. Um and the girls were both beautiful. So I don't you know. I even I was going, what are they in it? Like, why are they into him? Like, really? <laughs> what because they wanted his brain. I'm like, why do they want his brain? Like he was saying something like I never use it, you know, or something, you know. And I laughed at that, you know, or whatever. Um what's the other thing? Uh yeah, the 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 fact that they wanted his brain, and and it it made me think of like Young Frankenstein. Yeah. Did you see that movie? Oh yeah, I love that movie. And it's just like it has that like thought or whatever of uh of of that, but that's you know it's some of the funniest shit I've ever seen. Um, I love yeah. Peter Boyd. I, I I did a great job in that role. <laughs> Gene Wilder was a great doctor. Um, great job too. And fucking Madeline Kahn cracked yeah. me up. And her name, I was like, I know she's like in Blazes Howls and everything else. I just, could, I, was, I was drawing a blank on her name, but yeah, they, I know yeah. her from Clue. Like that's the first movie I really oh. saw all of her in and stuff. Yeah. And so I, I'm actually, it's weirdly enough, I, I'm, I'm sort of been like I watched Paper Moon last year for the first time. And I don't know if you heard of that movie or not, Paper Moon, but uh, Ryan O'Neill and and Tatum O'Neill movie with, uh, uh, and it has Madeline Kahn in it. And she's just, just, she's just so, she plays like a hooker, you know, it's just so funny, but not like the, uh, you know, hooker you get like high scale, like hooker, you know, and everything. And somebody who would, you would rent out to like, you know, uh, be your fake gr- girlfriend or whatever girlfriend experience kind of thing, you know, kind of person. But anyway, she was wonderful, and uh, 
loved her in that, and I love love her in everything I've seen her in. You know, sad she's no longer around because you know I think the world would need you know somebody like Malakon, and I don't think there's anybody that's been able to replace people like her or Lucille Ball. Like we don't have a a comedy actress. People might say Melissa McCarthy, but I kind of disagree. You know, like Melissa McCarthy's hit or miss these days. She's more uh, slapsticky. Yeah, she's more slapsticky, but she's also really good with dialogue. Um, but we don't really have that many now. Tina Fey, maybe, and Kristen Wiig, and and people, but these are like these are SNL people. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like we don't have anybody who's sort of a comedian comedian you know like that doesn't do sketch comedy um though lucille ball did do sketch comedy she was oh yeah good at that. but uh um i don't really think we don't have anybody now if anybody wants to put a note down like a you know a, uh wants, wants to make a comment about who they think fills the shoes of uh of lucille ball and and then, but I just I don't think we have that. It's just not that we don't have that kind of comedy anymore. There's no Madeline Cons because there's not that the comedy is so different now, you know. I would actually I, I was thinking about it a little bit. Um, it's a little edgy, um, given like all of her more of her recent like well not re very recent but somewhat old uh but uh shenanigans but. I guess for a while you could maybe almost even argue uh, Roseanne. Roseanne, I was almost uh, going to think you're going with Amy Schumer because at one point she was sort of, until you finally yep. the people started realizing she was stealing people's jokes. Then I don't know if you heard about that and everything, but you know, people got busted. But I, I know Carl's men and Sia uh, got nailed for that uh, for uh, stealing uh, jokes from uh, Tommy, uh, not uh, uh, not Tommy, uh, uh, Bobby Lee and uh, and Carla and, uh, and um, George Lopez. Yeah, that's so messed up. Like I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. especially when you see them back to back, like somebody do the the thing and then they show hers, and I'm like. Like, that's literally the same joke. Like, that's mm. that that's obvious that you just stole that joke. Um, but there could be like an argument at some points that maybe some stuff wasn't stolen on purpose, you know, because they didn't know somebody had made that same joke, you know, or whatever. But I mean, when is when is like blatantly that same joke, you know, it it's sad, you know. Um, but, not. <laughs> what you're just not trying at that point i mean i no. mean a good comedian can hear a good joke and find his own way to put a new spin on it or put that same joke in a different scenario and still make it just as funny in some cases maybe even funnier than the original that's what i think about fan films people should just literally take that idea that they have for a fan film switch you know switch things around a little bit and make their own movie. Like, you know, um, instead of the Joker doing these things, it could be, you know, um, or instead of Jason going and killing people, it can be another serial killer at a camp, you know, like how many of them we have, they're not, you know, they don't exactly. have to, it's just, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm, I, I feel like 
that is the same same situation in real life now is like let's try to we can be original by sort of you know going with the grain and doing the same thing that others are doing right you know but we bring our original spin to it you know or whatever you know um that's my opinion on stuff it's it is um, what it is I completely agree with you on that, man. Like, I even go as far as saying there's a lot of like you know, well, big budget reboots that get made. Where I, I, you know, a good example that came to my mind was actually the uh, Child's Play reboot. I actually didn't think it was a bad movie. It's kind of one of those things where, like, it, I thought I thought it was a decent horror movie, and it would have been even better if you didn't tie it to the Child's Play series at all. You had a great new voice actor for a new killer doll series. You could have changed the look of the doll, changed the title. You could have easily made a new killer doll series with someone else and the demand was obviously there because megan came out which in my and so i know it's a little different to it was small it's very similar exactly i mean and that one took off and i feel like child's play the reboot could have done that that exact same magic if they just went with an original idea like having mark hamill be the voice of, of the killer doll was brilliant i love that idea um just why? I mean, why take a already established and a very well strong fan base pro of like you know fan of, of you know IP property and throw so many new uh, loopholes and curveballs that the original fan base is just not going to want to back it up and you know and that's why I said as a horror movie it's a good movie if you want to look at it as a child's play movie and yeah it's not very good <laughs> it's not no it's not child's play exactly know? yeah but. It's great because you see, you know, because yeah, like you said, um, it's um, a uh, um, what is it? Uh, you know, you look at uh, you look at Child's Play, right? And mm. you think Chucky, and they even changed his name, not even Chucky, because he couldn't because they already had that Chucky series and all mm. that other stuff. So I'm like, you already have a different name, yeah. you have it. You have a different voice. It's not the same. It's everything is different. Just you know, the only thing I always got mad about is they stole from fucking Simpsons. You know, where mm -hmm. it's like they switch it from good to evil. You know, and shit like yep. that. And I'm just like, come on, really? And I'm like, who fucking puts a good and evil button <laughs> unless it's a joke? You know, right? Disgruntled employee. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was so dumb. Um, yeah, but anyway, like I don't know what. What else did you love about this movie? Oh, um, I I, I loved the uh, Vincent Price cameo at the end. That was just a fun little like you know like it to me. It was almost like uh, it almost felt like that uh, like those end credit uh, of like you know scenes you get at the, when you wait to the end of the end credits. And you get that fun little cool little scene like oh oh look at that kind of thing, right? Uh, yeah. Was, so the ending with uh, Vincent Price, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's kind of how I felt about when I saw that. I was like, oh my god, that's so awesome. What a way to end the movie. <laughs> that is awesome. I love that because it was it was fun. I like uh I like once again, I did not I heard his voice and I was like, wait, is that? But I, I thought it wasn't, you know. Um but you know, we'll see. Uh like it's so funny because like like once again, I, I I wish they had done that. I wish that was the next movie. It's the Invisible Man, and then they had, 
you know, him, Vincent Price as the Invisible Man. Um, oh, good. yeah. But yeah, so, all right. Well, and then that was my, so that was actually one of my favorite parts too. It was just that, just that, that ending. So perfect. Well, I think that about wraps it up. I, I think we talked a good amount about this and other stuff. As you always. Know, as always, <laughs> for sure. Um, So uh, I want to thank everybody for checking this out tonight. Um, I don't know what we're going to do next month uh, yet. Uh, me and uh, me and Michael got to talk about it and figure out the next one. But uh, aside from that, check us out next month. I think that'll be the the last one for a couple months, and then we'll be back from a little break. But because um, the summer gets crazy, summer is gonna get crazy. I know that. Like so, I'm I'm excited um, for the summer, but the fall is time for horror stuff anyway. So perfect, perfect time to come back is like September you know um uh for the next four months so um but i want to thank you once again michael this was an excellent choice i'm very glad i got to see it again and everybody else if you haven't gotten a chance to watch it go watch it please you'll love it um i, I think we might have ruined some things spoiled some things so if you haven't seen it oh well you probably shouldn't have listened to this podcast then um but thank you guys for checking this out and uh thank you michael all right have Thank a good you. one, everybody. Bye. Bye.